Hello, and welcome to Gone But Not Forgotten, the podcast all about remembering the lives and careers of actors who left us too soon. I'm Audrey Cornell. And I'm Louise Coleman. And I'm Katrina Guzman. And today we'll be talking about the 2022 Basler biopic about Elvis Presley. So I guess we could start off by just saying our relationship like with the film itself and then also Elvis as a person and just maybe just like our general thoughts on the film and what we think of it as a whole. Katrina, do you want to start? Oh, sure. Yeah. When the Elvis movie was first announced, I was so excited, not really because I'm super interested in Elvis, but more because of Baz Luhrmann. And I was just really excited to see a Baz Luhrmann movie in theaters for the first time, just because of how big and glittery his style is. Do you have a favorite of his movies? I've only seen The Great Gatsby and Romeo and Juliet. And I like Gatsby more as a movie, and I like the style of Romeo and Juliet more, if that makes sense. Yeah. And was it the more satisfying experience to see Elvis in the theater rather than at home? Yes, definitely. I've watched it three times now, (laughs) two of which were in theaters, and then one was on HBO Max. It was definitely a diminished experience watching in my own home rather than in theaters. Yeah, it was definitely worth it to see it in theaters. So you're not like a fan of Elvis, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some of his songs and I knew about him growing up. I always heard about how he was like the super big personality and celebrity, but I didn't know much about his personal life or his movies before going into the film and would you say the film made you a fan or you just like the film itself I think it definitely made me appreciate his music more and it led me to do my own research about Elvis and his life I would say I'm an Elvis fan now (laughs) good that's cool What about you, Louise? I'm like the opposite. I've always been in an Elvis household. My nan was a very big Elvis fan. Probably like the biggest in England. She had framed photos of him on the wall. They had the Christmas special taped. So like my mum grew up watching it. So then that love transpired to my mum. So I've always known about Elvis forever. Always been aware of his music. He's always been a presence in the household. So when the film was announced, it was very exciting. And to not only star the love of my life from Zoe 101 and I Carly, I'm still in <laughs> shock by it. <laughs> so when they announced Austin as well, I was obviously very happy. But I was also dubious. I won't lie. I was thinking, I don't know. I don't know how this will work. But then the set pictures came out, the trailer came out. Me and my mum were so excited because <laughs> she obviously, she loves Elvis and she got it into me. We were really happy. We watched it on her birthday in this really fancy cinema with like sofas and stuff in a really fancy area of Bristol, which we don't go to often. There's something about that cinema experience with it. Audrey, I was going to say, how did you get into Elvis? Through the movie, because I'd always heard of him, but I definitely wasn't like a fan or anything. So after I saw it, 
I did start listening to his music and watching his movies. I think it's nice that it did start my appreciation for Elvis. I think that was what they were going for with making the movie was like appealing to our generation. I would definitely recommend like for our listeners, if you haven't seen it, like definitely watch it in the theater. If you're like a hardcore Elvis fan, I don't know if you would like it as much just because there's a lot of historical inaccuracies. But if you're curious to know more about him, I think it's like a good starter, his life and impact on American culture and stuff like that. I guess we could just go through the plot of the movie. It starts off with an introduction of Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis's manager. And I will say like it was a little weird and unexpected for him to be the narrator of the story. And I was wondering what you guys thought of that. Do you think it helped or was it weird? It was interesting to me initially because I had never heard of Colonel Tom Parker at all before the movie. And I think it gives the audience a little bit of someone to latch onto as someone to identify with and basically watch Elvis's life rather than trying to identify with Elvis and like the extreme fame that he had. Yeah. Was it effective for you? I think so. Yeah. Not knowing Colonel Tom, did that affect anything? Were you like, oh my God, I don't believe this at all? I was a little bit in disbelief, partially because of Tom Hanks' performance. I didn't believe that he actually talked like that or looked like that with the heavy prosthetics that Tom Hanks was wearing. So I did a little bit of research and he actually did look how Tom Hanks did in the movie, but I don't think the accent was, but I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, I don't think that he got the accent. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess while we're talking about Tom Hanks, like, what did you guys think of his performance? I got a couple questions from followers. I don't want to be negative. (laughs) Start off negative. (laughs) But my first thing on my notes is, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I'm a big Tom Hanks fan. I could go on and on about this performance. I'm so angry because it's like, you have the best performance ever of Austin. Maybe in like cinema, top 50. But Tom Hanks is ruined. And Tom Hanks is my most watched actor. Like literally, I'm a Tom girl. I love him. But it's just not for me. But maybe it's so bad, it's good. I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Yeah, I was in the so bad, it's good category. I liked it, but not for the reasons they were intending I just Mm -hmm. thought it was, like, really funny. Yeah, it's just interesting to see the contrast between him and then Austin. And is this the same movie? But I think he was good at portraying just, like, how crazy the colonel was. And, like, he really did dress like that. And he was super over the top. I just think maybe the performance kind of distracted. It just didn't feel natural. Yeah. I also think that it adds to the mythical feeling of the movie with having such an outlandish performance and character and I think it it also maybe highlights Austin's performance a little bit I agree any other thoughts on that I want the listeners to know like just how evil the colonel was in real life he wouldn't let Elvis travel overseas because he didn't have a passport and so I'm glad 
that they did show really bad sides of him. But then it's all, oh, we're all just focusing on the accent and not like the evil crimes this man has committed. Tony Baz could like direct someone into that performance. Through his narration, we get the sense that he really likes to make stuff up and he's even gaslighting the audience. So we really do get a sense of like what he was like as a person. That being said, I generally don't like narration anyway, but I think in this movie, like it really distracted me. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of biopics in general. So I think it was interesting to have it from the point of view of someone who is not the main person in the biopic. And yeah, I think it gives us a little bit of like unreliable narration. So maybe some of the historical inaccuracies, you can blame it on that. (laughs) Or if they were just being lazy, they can be like, oh, it was just because of unreliable narration. Since you don't like biopics, is it one, a rare one that you do enjoy? Or are are there any other ones that you do like? I think I like it more as a fictional movie than as a biopic, because I always find it difficult to basically make an overarching fictional narrative with a real person's life. But I think they did do a good job with this one, with making a narrative of how fame influenced Elvis. As for other biopics, I like biopics that are of people who aren't necessarily super famous. Like, for example, The Polka King starring (laughs) Jack Black. I thought that was interesting because I didn't know anything about the Polka King before (laughs) starting the movie. I've never heard of that, but that sounds fun. I've not seen that either. I'm the same. I think it's easier to be let down by movies or biopics about famous people because like you already know so much. And so I think having it be a story about someone you're not familiar with, it can almost be more interesting because you're learning a new story. Yeah, that's a really good point. What about you, Louise? Do you generally like biopics? I normally find music biopics really cringy because they always portray the artist as like a genius. Audrey, Katrina, I hope you don't like this film, but it makes me think of Bohemian Rhapsody. What's the jury like on that film? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Perfect. Cool. (laughs) I can pollute your mind with my thoughts. Right, okay. It's awful. It's embarrassing. It's cringe. It's just... Ugh, we don't even want to get into it, but they portray Rami's Freddie as this genius. And Freddie Mercury is a genius, but it's just how they portray it. It's not done well. This film, however, Elvis, I feel like is done well. We see him like as an artist, but it just portrays him in a different way. I think maybe from seeing his childhood and stuff, it helps us as well. I was thinking of other music biopics, and I like Love and Mercy, but bias towards the Beach Boys. But see, that's when it's, it just feels real. Like... I just hate it when they put them on a pedestal because they also show Elvis in bad lights as well. And I just think that's good. We don't need to always see this genius side of him. I watched Man on the Moon the other week. I know nothing Mm. about Andy Kaufman and I'm obsessed. Like literally, because sometimes it does help not knowing at all. Going into Bohemian Rhapsody as a very big queen stan I am ruined it for me completely. (laughs) I've heard it's terrible and so I've never been interested In terms of other musician biopics and the tropes of them, I watched the spoof movie Dewey Cox, The Walk Hard Story, which I love. 
so much and watching it almost back to back with Elvis and seeing the similarities was just super fun and I think it did a good job of showing how they put the musicians on a pedestal and mythologize their lives in a very funny way. I've heard of that. I haven't seen it though, but I love Walk the Line and so I'm assuming it spoofs that one too. Yeah, it came out about a year after I think. I might have to check that out because yeah, music biopics are always paint my numbers. Elvis does still have some of those tropes, but it's a little more interesting in the way it shows them. But Audrey, what do you think about biopics, musical ones? They're okay. I definitely have a couple that I really like, Walk the Line or Rocket Man, but I just think they always make so much stuff up and that really Mm -hmm. bothers me because I think the true stories are interesting enough already, but sometimes they do help me have a new appreciation for the artists that they're about. And I think just as movies, like they can be really generic and Oscar baity. And so that can be annoying. Yeah. (laughs) We're introduced to the Colonel and he's managing country singer Hank Snow and there I can't remember the character's name but Cody Smith McPhee he like oh. plays this record that Elvis did of that's all right and everyone is really intrigued by the fact that he's a white singer singing black music and so the colonel oh I can definitely get something from that and so then we go to the Louisiana Hayride where we get our first Elvis performance and he sings baby let's play house before that we get flashing back to Elvis's childhood I guess before we get into that what do you guys think of like the flashback stuff I know that's like a very popular trope within biopics did you think that was effective with this movie or would you have rather seen it be more chronological leading up to that moment? I honestly maybe would have liked it better chronologically it would have been cool to see like Elvis's full progression into fame rather than dropping us right into when he becomes famous and not showing how he got into music and whatnot. I agree. I think it was a little confusing for me, maybe. What do you think, Mm -hmm. Louise? I won't lie. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to be different. I'm a sucker for chronological events. (laughs) But I love it because, especially because you don't properly see Elvis's face. Like you see him in the pink suit and but it's his back to you and they're all talking to him and it's Elvis. You know it's Elvis, but they're not showing you it. And I love it. And I think it really builds hype. I, I keep saying, but I think only Baz could do something like that. Like have it fit so seamlessly. But um, I really like it. And I just think it's so clever not showing his face, but showing his child face. I really like it. But I don't really like flashbacks sometimes. Why is that? I feel like show don't tell. Wait, that just goes against my point. But yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> with a flashback, I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I want to get to the real story. But I think because they were like teasing us. I like the use of flashback at that moment. to then show us Elvis's face after it. It's very brief backstory. It doesn't go into too much detail. But we learn about him growing up when his mother lost his twin, Jesse, in childbirth Elvis was a twinless twin that really impacted him later on throughout his life and then we also learn about his father going to jail and him growing up with music and being very inspired by 
gospel music and rhythm and blues. And then he meets Sam Phillips, who works at Sun Records, and he was Ellis's first manager slash producer. And then we get back to his performance at the Louisiana Hayride. Everyone in the audience is screaming their heads off. What did you guys think of this performance? Was it a good intro? I love that scene so much where everyone goes crazy when he performs. Yeah, I think it was very Baz Luhrmann. It was just amazing. Did you think it was a good song to introduce us to Elvis? I don't really know that much about Elvis's music. So the song that he played was one that I was not familiar with. And I think that was a good choice because like regular audiences wouldn't know Elvis and the people in the movie didn't know Elvis. What about you, Louise? Yeah, loved it. Loved it. It was so good. <laughs> it, it definitely gives you a good introduction into what the rest of the film is going to be like because there's a lot of zoomed up shots of certain body parts and it's a bit like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm not complaining, but still. It was, yeah. If you watch that bit and you make it through, you'll make it through the film. You know what I mean? You're in. But, oh, he says this bit that I love it so much when he he turns to his band and he goes, what are they hollering at? It's just so funny because Elvis got no idea. Kind of a himbo moment for him. He didn't know what was going on. He was like, why are they screaming at me? And I just love it. It just shows him, humanizes him in a way. And I just thought it was brilliant. What an introduction as well to Austin Mm -hmm. performing. So good. That line especially, it really shows. That was just how he moved because of the music. I think it just shows like how naive he was. Because he was only 19 at that point. Which when I first became a fan, yeah, I didn't know he started out that young. And he spent like most of his life in the music industry. I can't even imagine doing that. I liked the line where his mom is like, Please, Lord, don't let him hurt my baby. I think that's one of my favorite parts in the movie. It's such a good intro scene. And actually, Audrey, those that line you said about what his parents said, that shows his parents like to a T. His mum worrying about him, which she does like throughout the whole film. And then his dad not really caring either. Like how that sets up everything in just one scene is just so good. What about the look, like his costume? Amazing, amazing. I think that might be my favorite. Yeah, I love all the costumes in the movie so much. Yeah, they're perfect. Like, they replicated them so well. I was really impressed. That's got to be a costume and Oscar in the bag, right? I hope so. As we're talking about the Oscars, do you guys think Austin will win? And do you think he should win? I'm a very big believer. I think he will win. I think he should win. I think he could win. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's got to. He's got to. If the Academy can award Rami Malek's awful performance in Bohemian Rhapsody, then they can reward Austin's great one. That's <laughs> all I have to say. <laughs> it's up in the air. I think that the Academy does really love biopic performances. And yeah, Austin's was a good performance. So with the historical aspect and the good performance, I think that he will probably win but I do I would like to see the other nominees I did write down the predictions that are like floating around the web if you guys wanted me to share Mm -hmm. 
I know. I think I know one. I haven't seen it, but I know everyone's raving about Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that mm, was one of them. I'll take that. I'll gladly have him win. Like the only one. There's also Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inner Sharon, Hugh Jackman for The Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. Oh, I haven't heard of any of those. It's probably between Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser. There's anything more the Academy loves in a biopic, it's like a comeback story. So it works in Brendan Fraser, like it's on his side, really, mm-hmm. his comeback, which is so long overdue. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I think it would be cool if either one of them won. Do you guys think Tom Hanks will be nominated? I hope not, but I bet he will. I bet he will. Those voters yeah. love stuff like that. Yeah, probably. They love that complete makeover. Now Elvis is a teenager. He's working for an electric company. He's driving a truck and he's living in Memphis. So he's exposed to Beale Street and all of the singers forming down there. And we also get to know his mother, Gladys, a little bit better. And I will say the first scene where we're introduced to her is a little weird. Like the way the they're framing her face, very close and intimate. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. Like what you thought of their relationship with each other, at least how it's shown in the film. I'm on board with that with you. Like, it's weird. <laughs> to quote my nan. <laughs> apparently a lot of them at the time thought that like they were very close if you can get my drift Bows did not shy away in showing how close they were they didn't show this in the film but Elvis slept in the same bed as his mum until he was like 15 which I think it's because they didn't like have enough beds but that's yeah. a bit that's gonna do something to you yeah the mum scenes are very weird to me <laughs> Katrina what did you think Yeah, I picked up on it being a little weird too, especially his first scene with all the girls outside his hotel room and then one of them comes in and they start and then it cuts to a portrait of his mother on the nightstand. (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Louise and I were talking about when we were watching how they also cut between that scene and like his mother at home. I know that they probably did that on purpose because she was very worried about him, but it's just strange as a viewer, I think. They didn't go into their relationship that much, which I was a little disappointed by, but I guess I get it was more about Elvis and his music and the Colonel. He's going on tour around the southern part of the United States, and he's like meeting a lot of girls. And so he has to break up with his longtime girlfriend, Dixie. And then Elvis meets the colonel at a carnival and he has a proposition for him and he wants to sign Elvis to RCA. And so basically Elvis is now working for the colonel and he just launches into fame and he buys Graceland for his parents and like all his friends are living there. He basically just rocketed to fame. What do you guys think of that? Do you think it was bad that he got famous so quickly? I think the scene where he is like going on the road and getting super famous, it does really hammer home that he got like astronomically famous super quick. And yeah, it makes us a little worried for him, I think, at least for me, that we're eventually going to see his downfall. 
And that's when he's introduced to uppers. A big part of his downfall as well is like the prescription medications. Do you think the movie had too many montages? (laughs) I think the movie was basically just one big montage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think in another movie, I would not have liked it. But because it's Baz Luhrmann, I knew that I was going to be getting that kind of two hour long montage. And I loved it. (laughs) I think this movie is very representative of his style. And he's definitely like a love him or hate him. I got a question from one of my followers that we could touch on. Right outside the box, he wanted to know our thoughts on the film's depiction of Elvis's Black music influences. I'm glad they showed it. I'm really glad they showed it because we know that there's a lot of whitewashing in the media. So I'm so happy because obviously I know Elvis is credited as the king of rock and roll, but he did not invent rock and roll music. It was invented by black musicians before him. So I'm very happy that we got to see a lot. Like we saw Little Richard, BB King. So it was really good that they actually showed that part. I really like it. It drives home the point that Elvis was influenced by black musicians. It's like a bit of an elephant in the room, isn't it? You're thinking, oh, yeah. are they going to mention it? And they do. Forrest Gump does not, which annoys me, but this film does. I think it was very good that they showed it, but I think they really left it surface level. They didn't yeah. really go into, like, the systems of how he was allowed to get famous and other people weren't. It felt flat, but you can see that they were trying to be considerate and honor what like what actually happened in history and acknowledge the structures that let Elvis be famous and people like B.B. King not as much it tried I'll give it that I do wish it had (laughs) gone a little deeper it disappointed me especially the second time around they did really touch on it in the first half and then it was basically abandoned in the second half I'm not like really one I think to say too much about it because I'm not very well versed in music history but I think I do wish they had gone deeper into it because that is a big misconception people have about Elvis is that he stole music and appropriated black culture and I don't know if the movie really did a very good job of showing that he didn't blame the system not the person because it's not Elvis's fault that he got famous rather than other people it's the music industry and the time period and I just didn't really get that from the movie I feel like they painted Elvis as this kind of like perfect civil rights advocate when I don't think he really was just basically assuming because he was a white man in the 60s just oh this is how it is and boy it's a bummer and a scene that's like unintentionally hilarious to me is when Elvis is seeing the coverage of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination and he says oh Dr. King he always spoke the truth I don't think he would have said that (laughs) highly doubt he ever said that (laughs) in such like blatant terms too It just seems like they were trying to paint him as more of a perfect person than he really was. I don't think he was active, Mm -hmm. and I'm not faulting him for that. It was weird to make him be a part of this movement when I don't think he was. And that might just be, like, 
because it's the 21st century and they want Elvis to like be cool. Yeah, I think also because I believe the movie was in really close collaboration with Elvis's family and his estate that they didn't really get to portray him in a super negative light. So maybe that's a little bit why they glossed over some of his story in terms of like the civil rights movement and also Priscilla, but I think we'll get into that later. Oh yeah, definitely. It makes sense. But I think if you want to be accurate, then you should show the whole person. He did advocate for certain artists that he was friends with and he did support a lot of black artists by seeing their perform and he bought their records and stuff like that but I don't think he was like politically involved our overall consensus is that the movie just glossed over the influences we wish it had dug a little deeper okay let's see what next He's selling tons of records and he's super popular. He's going on all these TV shows and performing. And there's a very like infamous moment when he went on the Milton Berle show and had to perform Hound Dog, like an actual Basset Hound. And that was like super embarrassing. I was a little disappointed they didn't actually show it. People are really upset with his dancing and they think he's very vulgar and um, inappropriate. I love how they sensationalized the wiggle in the movie and just very dramatic, like acting like he was like the Antichrist or something because he was wiggling. Yeah. (laughs) It makes Uh, no sense. Yeah. It's insane what they found bad in those days. Everyone's getting really upset and they want to put Elvis in jail for dancing. He takes a drive and goes to see bb king and they watch little richard perform they're talking about if elvis recorded a tutti frutti then he would make tons more money than little richard ever could and he is like joking they should put little richard on tv and show his dancing was he just allowed in those days to just take those songs and record it for himself yeah it was a pretty popular thing just in general like singers would record songs that other singers wrote and do their own spin on it elvis didn't steal music because that was what people did back then was like record other people's songs and he wasn't the only one to do that now should have the artists gotten more pay for those songs probably but once again it's the industry not elvis we go to his performance at this ballpark and he wants to be the real Elvis and he performs Trouble. I think this might be my favorite scene but what did you guys think about it? I loved it. I think it could be my favorite. He's also got eyeliner in it as well that adds to the scene. Beautiful. Katrina what did you think? It's another really great performance. I don't know if I necessarily like it better than the first one right now they're equal as the best scene of the whole movie (laughs) and Audrey I know you love it don't you yeah I think it's because that's sort of him showing that he doesn't really care what everyone else has to say and he just wants to be himself and he knows the fans 
will appreciate it more if he's not censoring himself. I like the song a lot too. And the way they incorporate the footage or like them taking the photos in with the video and just like the utter chaos that I, I think it just shows like how much of an impact that Elvis had on his audience. I think for me, it's also either that one or Baby Let's Play House. It's hard to say, though. <laughs> In the first performance, he is, like, reacting to how the audience is. And then in the second one, him and the audience are both heightening the situation with the press. He's more comfortable in the second one. There's that weird bit with the dog statue in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> What a night. Like, oh, what a great time that would have been. The colonel's super upset. He has Elvis dragged back to his car and the fans are just like mobbing the car. He's faced with this decision of should he be sent to jail or go into the army. So Elvis is drafted and he's sent to Germany. I don't know if that's like how that happened in real life. If it was like he has to go to jail or the army. I don't think that's the case but the colonel did want Elvis to be shown to be like this clean-cut all-American boy and it's so weird to think of that happening now if we sent Harry Styles to go to war why would you even put that in my head (laughs) I'm sorry I'm sorry but I just mean that it's similar it's insane isn't it to think that that would have been good in their eyes He wouldn't actually be like fighting or anything like that. But his mother was still very worried for him because she'd never been separated from Elvis before, except for when he was touring. She dies while Elvis is away at basic training. And then we get like this scene of the colonel trying to like comfort Elvis at his mother's funeral. It's really awkward. He tells Elvis that he'll do everything in his power to keep him relevant while he's away. When he comes back, he'll make him the biggest movie star in the world which I will say is weird because before he went into the army he actually had already made four films at that point so I do think it's like strange they made that choice he'd already done Love Me Tender, Loving You, Jailhouse Rock, and King Creole which were like some of his biggest films yeah so I thought it was a little odd I left that out but anyway so at this point then we meet Priscilla when they're in Germany what do you guys think of the movie's inclusion of Priscilla. I think they like basically just had to include her in the movie, but I think they really could have talked more about their relationship because the first scene where we see her, she's like manic pixie dream girlified, and they just say Elvis met this girl in the army and they don't mention it any time after that she was 14 and he was how old like in his four I think I read an article that had quotes from Elvis I don't know if it was a credible source or not but it basically said that he was like intentionally molding her into the perfect wife and saying that she's so young I can basically make her into anything which is more than a little bit iffy <laughs> they did meet when she was 14 and then He did go back to the States and didn't see her again until she was technically an adult and she moved in with him in Graceland. It's weird, don't get me wrong, but I definitely don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. And they didn't even get Mm -hmm. married until she was 21. It's still strange, but it's not as creepy, I think, as it could have been. 
<laughs> but I will say that once they did get married, like he was very intent on making her into perfect wife. And I don't like that. I don't agree with that. So on Priscilla as like a whole, I, I do. I really love Priscilla, like outside of this film. She's like one of my style icons. I love the 60s. Mm-hmm. So obviously I would have liked to see more of her. She is definitely reduced to just being his wife. I also liked near the end of their relationship as well. Like they showed the ugly side of it, which I really appreciated as well. Cause obviously he was cheating. So it was good to not see her just hate that. Obviously today she's still got the last name. She loves him very much, she keeps on his memory, which I love. So I think like Katrina just said, that shaped the portrayal. They were never gonna show them in a bad light, but it would have been nice to <laughs> mention the age gap. <laughs> I did read that Olivia said in an interview that she didn't meet Priscilla or talk to her before working on the film. No judgment here. She did use COVID as an excuse, though Austin did meet with her a lot. Maybe she was nervous, but I thought that was interesting in that she didn't meet with her beforehand. That's really interesting. Normally the subjects they're portraying aren't even alive. I would have jumped on the chance to meet Priscilla. I'm really surprised by that. I think it maybe would have helped her because just for me her performance seemed a little generic but she also wasn't even really in the movie that much so I don't know like how much of it is on her as an actor also this is like another point just because I'm a big Natalie Wood fan and they do bring her up but at this point Natalie and Elvis were not dating they broke up like way before he went into the service. So I just thought that was strange that they included that when they were not in contact anymore. Um, it wasn't for very long. It was in 1956. And this is another fact I did not know either, but they started dating after Natalie asked her Rebel Without a Cause co-star Dennis Hopper to introduce them. And I didn't know Dennis Hopper knew Elvis wicked so anyway they were not dating at that point but it's still cool like I was glad they mentioned her anyway so did that kind of ruin the film for you in a way because that's so inaccurate I think just all like the little inaccuracies did disappoint me and I think that's why I didn't like it as much on rewatch because I knew a lot more that's just something I will never understand about biopics is like why they make so much stuff up I can understand joining certain events together just to fit the two-hour time limit, but just, like, making things up, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Elvis is a fantastical movie anyway, so I can just watch it from, like, an entertainment standpoint. And that's why I think it's, like, a good one if you want to become a fan or you don't know a lot about Elvis. They kind of brush over Elvis's film career, and we were bothered by that. They just include little clips from some of his films for maybe a minute and that's about it um do you guys think they should have touched more on his acting career i think definitely i haven't seen any of his movies from what i've heard that was a pretty big part of his career and it would have been easy to show in the movie format as well so i think it was just a missed opportunity that they didn't go over it as much yeah i mean he made 31 movies and they maybe showed like five of them in the montage so I wasn't sure why maybe they made that decision do you guys have any theories 
I, I don't know if this would be the be why, but I know that in real life Elvis was quite embarrassed of his film career because obviously they weren't classics, and I think he was upset by that. So maybe they thought, okay, let's not. Maybe as an Elvis fan, you wouldn't want to watch that era because you know it's kind of like a gray area. I think there were definitely ones that he hated, but I think in general he still had fun making them. A lot of his fans really liked them. I was disappointed though because I felt like Bats could have done something really fun with it. And I did like the montage, but maybe if they just extended a little bit more or maybe recreated some scenes. I love a montage always. But I also like films about film. So that's why I just really wanted it. Maybe it's in the four hour cut. We don't know. But I'm just a bit disappointed that it was so glossed over. Also, like when they would play his films in the cinema, people would be kicked out because the women were screaming. <laughs> like my nan would be screaming at the cinema screen. Like she'd tell us stories about this. So it's like they could have shown something like that. It could have been good. I get why they showed the montage as well, because then it also leads into how he wants to change as an artist. But 31 films and we see none of it. And they also leave out Anne-Margaret, who was a really big part of his life. And they did Viva Las Vegas together. And she's still alive. So maybe she said she didn't want to be in the movie. They just didn't even touch on the relationships that he had with any of his co-stars. He did build some really strong and lasting friendships. Maybe it was just a time thing. Maybe it will be in the four-hour cut. Are you guys interested in that? Do you think that would help? maybe fill in some of the gaps that the movie left. I am so interested in the four-hour cut. What I wanted going into the movie was, I guess, maybe more of what I know about Elvis as a pop culture touchstone. So, like, his classic look with the white jumpsuit or, like, the peanut butter and banana sandwiches and the, like, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, my God. Best impression ever. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe a little bit after his death, though I don't know how they could have shown that necessarily because it really just ends with his death. But I think it would be interesting to see more of his impact. Yeah. What about you, Louise? So with the four-hour cut, I'm a bit worried about it because it is four hours. (laughs) Yeah. my kidneys will not be able to take it but no it'd be very interesting to see what is in there what could be in there I'm really I'm like I'm very intrigued to see it but Katrina what you mentioned it does end with his death and normally my favorite part of a biopic is like the titles after that tells you like what happened since and they don't really do that in Elvis oh they do with Tom Parker's death it does kind of end abruptly I feel they just said he was like the best-selling artist of all time and that was about it. No mention of what Lisa Marie's doing or Priscilla. I think they show his army recruitment. That's one thing I do know. And also him meeting Richard Nixon. Ooh, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> Have you seen the film about it? No, because it has Kevin Spacey. Let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> Never asked that. <laughs> I remember learning that photo of them together is like, one of the most popular photos of all time. But I guess it makes sense because it's such a moment in history kind of thing. So yeah, I would be interested to see how that played out. Two things are the only ones that I know for sure will be in the four-hour cut. But I would hope they would maybe do more stuff with Priscilla or 
his mom. And also a song that I wish they did in the movie was Can't Help Falling in Love, um, which is like one of the very few Elvis songs that I did know before (laughs) going into the movie and I really like. So maybe that's in the four hour cut. I was surprised they didn't have that either. That's in Blue Hawaii. So maybe they could have shown him filming that scene in the movie. Was there a song you would have wanted to see in there, Louise? My hopes were high. But they don't sing The Wonder of You. I love that song so much. I don't think he sang A Little Less Conversation. Am I being wrong about that? That was in the movie montage. Audrey, what about you? Was there any songs that you wanted to hear? This is not quite related, but a song that's like the, the Colonel's theme, the snowman one, that's like my one of my favorite songs from It Happened at the World's Fair, but then they changed it and they made it like creepy. Oh. And, and I didn't appreciate that. So I would have liked to have just seen them do this song, but not creepy. No, we want a proper normal version of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Oh, no, it's all right. But it, yeah, when I watched the It Happened at the World's Fair and he sang that song, it colored my view. And it's such a nice moment in the film. So Priscilla and Elvis get married and they have a daughter, Lisa Marie. Elvis is set up to do a Christmas special at NBC and he's approached by the directors at the Hollywood sign, which never happened, but very cinematic. It's so camp. So yeah. camp. Elvis sitting melancholic at the Hollywood sign. Only Baz. They're telling him, like, they want the show to be what Elvis wants it to be. The colonel thinks they're doing this Christmas special, and then they're really not, which also didn't happen in real life. The colonel was fine with what they actually had in mind. They didn't have a whole Christmas set up with like costumes and stuff. It's definitely more entertaining, but I don't like that they did that also. But anyway, this is one of the most iconic moments in Elvis's career. We see him performing several of his hits and he wants to reinvent himself with the modern audience and get back in the spotlight. And I learned that this was only the second day of shooting that they filmed this scene and it was Austin's first musical performance that he did for the movie oh nice such an iconic moment and it's like almost your first day on set like I thought that was very impressive did you guys have a favorite song that he sang in the special I'm so sorry I forgot the name of it but the song that he wrote after I think it was Bobby Kennedy's assassination. If I can dream. It. Yeah, that yeah, that's a good one. I think that's my favorite too. Gorgeous. That's a very good scene when he's singing that as well. That's gonna be his Oscar clip. This also didn't happen in real life, but Robert Kennedy was shot during the filming of the special, and that wasn't at the same time. But just for a thematic meaning, they put it in there. Everyone's saying, Elvis, you need to make this statement. And the colonel is very unhappy with that. Do you guys think like him singing this song was like a good statement or like a good way to show his support for the country? Because I know some people online were saying that they thought it was a bit easy just to sing a song. I, I like this from him. He is only a singer at the end of the day, and that's how he gets across to people. Forgive me if I'm wrong. On the credits on Spotify, it doesn't say that Elvis wrote it. I don't think he wrote any of his songs. No. So it's a bit weird that they show him writing it or coming up with it. But I like it. And I know it's 
come on Elvis you can do a lot better than that but I feel like that's like his best way to do that at the time that makes sense I think it was a good way to tie in an overarching theme for the movie and Audrey said Bobby Kennedy wasn't shot during the filming of it so I think they took those creative liberties to basically make the movie more concise and give it more of a movie narrative rather than a real life story. I think that's one example of I'm okay with that because it did happen. They're not making it up and it does fit into the point they're trying to put across. I do think it's bad though that they show this stuff and you think it actually did happen. I was I thought yeah Bobby Kennedy was shot during the making of this Christmas special. So that does annoy me a little bit when they do things like that. Like the casual viewer wouldn't know. The special is a very big success. Elvis is revitalized in the eyes of the public. And so now he wants to do a world tour. And then we learn that the colonel can't go outside of the country. And he's doing everything in his power to keep Elvis in the United States. This is the point when he starts playing at the International Hotel in Las Vegas. Basically, this happens because the colonel is told that all of his debts will be paid off. And Elvis can play there essentially for no cost. And so he gets like all of these singers and this orchestra together. I think at this point, this is like how most people know Elvis is from him being in Vegas. It starts out fun and then it turns into just another way for him to be controlled by the colonel. But I did really like the scene when he's performing and like kind of messing around with his band. And you do get to see his fun side. I wish the movie shown him more of he was really a jokester and kind of a kid at heart and they didn't really show that in the movie but we at least get a bit of that i love the vegas rehearsal scene with the big band and everything and i've been listening to it on spotify all the time and i do like also how they kind of like showed how he was trapped there it was interesting how they went from it's like fun and exciting and then it's like its own prison, even for the audience too, not just Elvis. That's an insane comparison. That's incredible. Because yeah, it was a prison. This was also a moment that was a little weird, like after one of his performances where the colonel like grabbed him. <laughs> that was weird. And Elvis uh, kissing all the women on the mouth. Yeah. I was talking about the Elvis movie before it came out with my friends at McDonald's and some (laughs) lady came up to us and was like oh my gosh the Elvis movie I'm so excited he kissed me like back in the day I was kissed by Elvis (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah I'm like starstruck yeah that's wicked I think it would be cool honestly yeah Yeah, I'm complaining about it now but I would have so done it then yeah (laughs) maybe he was a little too close to his fans but at least he appreciated his fans Elvis is getting death threats from people and the colonel is using this as an excuse to not let him go out of the country Elvis checks into a hospital because he's very exhausted and sick. And this is when we get our little Sharon Tate call out. And the colonel uses these murders as another reason that it wouldn't be good for Elvis to do a tour. In reality, Elvis did get a lot of death threats 
and he was on the Manson family's hit list. I don't know if those threats, it's not been confirmed that they were in relation to the family, but it's a possibility. And then he does a tour in the U.S., and then he plays in Las Vegas for four more years. He does a live broadcast in Hawaii, which was the first time anything like that had ever been done before. Elvis starts taking a lot of prescription drugs and he becomes super paranoid. He's got a lot of guns. Priscilla divorces Elvis because of his drug use and the fact that he's not as present as he used to be. And I will say this is a good scene, but it didn't hit me as much emotionally as I would have liked it to because we didn't really get to see the connection between the two of them beforehand. Did you guys feel the same way or was it different for you? It doesn't hit quite as much as it should do, at least. And it's definitely because the lack of Priscilla we've been given. And he is a kid. There's the one scene where Priscilla is like walking out of Graceland and she says, you never spend time with your daughter. And can you remember the last time we laughed together? And I think it could have been better done if they basically showed him being absent or showed Priscilla and Lisa Marie like on their own. It could have been very easily shown rather than told. But then again, maybe that's in the four hour cut. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the answer for everybody. Hey, it's in the yeah. four hour cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also too bad because Elvis really did care about his daughter. And so for them to just feel like she doesn't exist. It seems like a bit of a disservice to him as a father. Because when she did say, you don't spend any time with us, I was like, I forgot he even had a daughter. Like, I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Then comes a point where Elvis fires the colonel on stage, which never happened either. I get it's like super dramatic, but I think that's like kind of a big deal to make that up. But then I guess it kind of leads into the colonel basically telling every single thing that the Presleys ever owed him. And it comes to almost like $9 million. They don't have that money. He's forced to keep the colonel. There's a lot of people in Letterboxd who wrote reviews and stuff like that who are like, I can't really feel bad for Elvis because he was the one who like kept the colonel on and he had enough power to overrule him. Do you agree with that? Is there no one around to tell him? To leave the colonel. Do you know what I mean? Is he just surrounded by yes men? Why did no one intervene? I know he's like a grown man and stuff, but no one said anything. Yeah, it seemed to me like it wasn't really made public. Like they say in the end little title things that the colonel's financial abuse of Elvis was made public like several yeah. years later. So I think maybe people didn't know and then it also seems like he didn't really have a choice. At least I'm sure the colonel made it seem like Elvis didn't really have another choice. That's probably what it is. And also at this point in the movie, I feel bad that they portray Elvis's father as being like this dumb man who doesn't know anything. I would have thought like he was out of his depth completely. I don't know if he should have been Elvis's like financial advisor, but I think it's too bad that he's really only in the film to be made fun of. So... Then we flash forward a year. Elvis is still performing in Vegas. He's being considered for the lead role in 
A Star is Born alongside Barbara Streisand. But he's not really feeling it, um, which I haven't seen that movie. Have either of you? No. no. Okay. Priscilla's trying to get Elvis to check into a rehab. Essentially, they are reconnecting after a few years. It's a nice scene. I will say the green screen is really bad, though. That was distracting me. (laughs) But I do like this scene, even though it's sad, because you understand, like, where Elvis is mentally at this point in his life. Like, he's feeling really depressed, and he never got to make the great movie that he wanted to make and he doesn't think like anyone will remember him we really get to see that human side to him and then the movie ends with like this montage of the real Elvis like some footage of him it ends with what happened after the movie ended and we yeah we learn that the colonel basically swindled millions of dollars from Elvis but then he ended up like gambling it all away his net worth when he died was like a million dollars or something like that. But anyway, what did you guys think of the ending? Did you think it was like a nice closing to the film? Yeah, I liked it. I l- especially the unchained melody scene. It that was just amazing. And then they like overlaid the actual performance. I actually thought that was Austin. Like I didn't see any difference. Like the transformation was just so accurate. I'm so happy they ended on Elvis, actual Elvis. It makes me very happy. That scene came and I was like, this is the greatest movie I have ever seen in my entire life. I have transcended my entire body and soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's that good. I Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing all the stuff that came before in the movie and then this really like emotional montage, it just really pays off, I think, with that ending, everything you saw before. I think the casting of Austin Butler as Elvis is amazing. I think he did a really great job. And because he was like a Disney Channel heartthrob, casting him as Elvis, who's like a 50s heartthrob, was just a really smart decision because it really brought it into the present. So like modern viewers can understand the appeal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Us on the pod, like... We're huge Austin Butler fans. We talk about him on every episode. So yeah, we definitely approve of his performance. Were we shocked when we heard the news that it was Austin? I would say yes, because like he doesn't look like him. Once you see him in the movie, like that doesn't really matter because he captures the voice and the dancing and literally everything else. So like you can look past that. I did want to bring this up. So he did like a ton of press over the summer. And so a lot of people were being really mean to him and saying he was a phony. And I was wondering what you guys thought about that. So I knew there was a lot of controversy about his voice, like in real life. It sounds very different to what it used to sound like, in a way. It was always quite deep. I think a lot of people didn't realize that he actually does sound like that. So a lot of people were saying like, oh God, stop the accent, mate. Done. You know what I mean? He was living as Elvis for two years. You don't just lose the voice. I personally, I thought it was pretty funny how he kept the voice, or at least he seemed like really enthusiastic about the movie. And I think that sold me on it more. It's nice to see an actor so dedicated to their performance and talking about it with such compassion. 
I really got the sense from that, from watching his interviews and he really seemed to prepare for the role. And I just am not used to being that in present day actors as much. Maybe since this was a breakout role for him, he took it more seriously and he was playing Elvis and that's a very big responsibility. I hope this opens like doors for him, honestly, like he really deserves it. I can't believe he's only in, was it eight, ten films? Yeah, not very many. No, that's crazy to me. Are you guys going to watch Dune 2? Yes, (laughs) definitely. I haven't watched the first Dune yet, but I've seen the pictures of Austin Butler in Dune 2, and I think that makes me less excited because he has a bunch of prosthetics and stuff. I haven't seen Uh, those photos. I don't know. It reminds me of the Willem Dafoe promotional photos from The Northman, if you remember those. (laughs) No, what? Oh, Oh, no. I'm so sorry. What? Yeah, that definitely makes me less interested. Not watch it. I won't lie. You know what? We'll just watch Elvis again. It's fine. We're now boycotting Dune 2. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sting is in the original one. Uh And he's got hair? Why did he yeah, why can't Austin uh, have hair? Same, sorry. I am a little disappointed because there is like this other, I think it's a show about like pilots in World War II that he's doing. Oh. But the director is like one that had a really recent controversy. I think it's Carrie Fukunaga, he did the recent Bond film. Oh, yeah. I was disappointed to hear about that as well because he directed Maniac, which is one of my oh. favorite shows. It's a little bit tarnished by hearing about like the controversy yes. and allegations that he has. Oh, it really uh, ruins it. it yeah. Sucks. Oh, it's called Masters of the Air. Film uh, or TV? It's a uh, TV. It's going to be on Apple TV. Oh, I don't even have that. I don't know if he has any other upcoming projects. We're not very hyped for those. <laughs> the ones <Yeah>. that we <laughs> Sorry, Austin. Speaking of upcoming projects, it was announced that there's going to be that Priscilla biopic directed by Sofia Coppola. What did you guys think about that? I'm really excited for that because I like Sofia Coppola and I think she'll have an interesting take on Priscilla and hopefully touch on things that weren't explored in the Elvis movie. Yeah. I think she's like the perfect person to handle that story because she's really good at capturing the nuance of humans and especially women. I'm just a bit worried because Priscilla is helping her with it. So it's Uh, not going to be the whole like thing. I don't think it's going to be what we think it's going to be. Jacob Elordi is going to play Elvis. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I don't know. I could take it or leave it. You have to see it to believe it (laughs) i think she should have cast austin butler again as elvis so you get the (laughs) elvis verse (laughs) yeah elvis universe yeah (laughs) i think a lot of priscilla is in the makeup too i think even though the actress in the elvis movie doesn't really look like her with the makeup i think she totally does i know we talked about tom hanks but was is there anybody else in the movie that like stood out to you or you wanted to see more of definitely cody smith mcphee i thought he was one of 
of the best parts of the movie. I loved his performance, even though he had very little screen time. What about you, Louise? Really? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Zachary Montgomery? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, Dacre. Is it Dacre? Yeah, I just like him. I don't watch Stranger Things, but I do like him. Nah, and I just like seeing him as well. I like his presence. I wish Elvis worked for those people rather than the Colonel. So anyone that came in that was against the Colonel, I was on board with. Adrena, you're a big Dacre fan, right? Oh, yeah. And okay, I'll tell you the story, Louise, because you haven't heard. But I was in Colorado and my family was like taking this tour of some fancy resort just because they offered free ice cream. And Dacre Montgomery walked by. What? Oh, my (laughs) God. God. I wasn't sure if it was him or not. Because he was wearing a hat and sunglasses, but I was like, I think that's him. And I looked at his Instagram story, and he posted no, like the no. same skyline. Oh my god! Mate. And me and my cousins were like running around the whole resort and everywhere, <laughs> trying to find him again. Did you? Did and you? we couldn't find him. And then I got back home, and like the next week, I was went to see Elvis and I had no idea that he was in the movie and I saw him and I was like oh my god no way that's spooky though that he a week before yeah oh my god that's incredible (laughs) oh my god I love that when he popped up on screen and Elvis it felt like seeing an old friend (laughs) did you guys have a favorite costume from the movie I think for me, I liked the lace shirt and pink pants, or maybe it was blue. I think there were multiple, but I loved the lace shirts. They were so fun. I can think of the one where he's at the carnival, and it's like the black one with the high-waisted white pants, and he looks amazing. I will say in general, I think it's cool that Elvis was, I don't want to say he was androgynous, but he didn't really stick to any gender specific ideals of the clothing he wore and uh, he wore a lot of makeup because he was inspired by his favorite actors wearing makeup in the films and I just thought he always stood true to himself in how he expressed himself with his fashion and I think they showed that really well in the movie too. He Um, puts me in the mind of to Dolly Parton they say that she's a drag in a way isn't she? So I feel like Elvis in drag as well, like when he's in his like Vegas suits, especially. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but he did not. Yeah, he loved fashion. Yeah, he, he was yeah. honestly a trailblazer in that front. He wasn't afraid to wear rhinestones, flowy stuff. He was brilliant in that. Do you guys have a favorite Elvis era, like 50s, 60s or 70s? I think I like it when he was younger, maybe in the late 50s. I just I thought he looked his best then. Jailhouse Rock era. That's the era. Okay. Like yeah. That. So like mid fifties, late fifties. Yeah. Because yeah. I kind of like the greaser look. Uh, yeah. I really like yeah. that. What about you? Yeah, I'm same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like the beginning of the Vegas era. Nice. Um, where he's like experimenting with different kinds of music. So there were a couple actors were considered for Elvis I wanted to know like what you guys thought of them so the first one is Miles Teller but I think he opted to do Top Gun instead because wasn't it Austin Butler was considered for Top Gun right Miles's role 
And then another one was Harry Styles. I was thinking about that too. (laughs) And then I was thinking like, I haven't seen Don't Worry Darling, but I've heard that his acting is not that good. So maybe he wouldn't have been a good choice. But it would have been interesting to have a musician in the role rather than just an actor. That's very and, true, actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he could have done the voice, though. I haven't heard him do an American accent. He, it doesn't seem like he can. I won't lie. I <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always... It's so difficult to defend high styles. I'm so, like, tired. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always thought he'd make a good Mick Jagger. So I'm yeah. really surprised at the Elvis stuff. But no, I think it would have been awful. And then the only other one I could find was Ansel Elgort. Sooner he's gone, the best. I don't think he could bring the it factor. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. He's just like flat to me. Have you seen West Side Story, the one he's in? No. No. He can't sing. He can't sing <laughs> at all. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it was actually so, no. bad for him. Like, I know oh. way would I ever feel bad for that man, but it was like embarrassing. Austin definitely was the best pick. Though it was funny, I was reading this old article and they were like comparing all of the choices, and they were like, Austin is the least likely to, to get the part. <laughs> they were so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he proved them wrong. I'm so proud of him. I'm so <laughs> proud. Did you guys like have any other thoughts on the movie or anything else you wanted to touch on? I think just really quickly, I really liked Doja Cat's song Vegas in the yes. movie. Yes. Um, again, I think it brought it more to the modern day. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think I was thinking of this just now, but another good casting for Priscilla might be Sydney Sweeney. I feel like oh, yeah. I think she did Ooh. a photo shoot that was similar to Priscilla's style as well. Yeah, she definitely has that 60s look. I think I was a little iffy on it after three watches, but talking <laughs> about it with you guys definitely made me appreciate it a lot more. So nice. I am very solid on Elvis <laughs> the movie now. <laughs> That's good. So you rated it five stars? right? Yeah. I also just want to say, I think if you do have prior notions about Elvis, I'd say definitely like do more research and form your own opinion. Cause I think like a lot of stuff that's out there about him on the internet is misguided or untrue. If you want to learn more about him, I'll link some books and stuff that I recommend in the yeah. description. I just think there is a lot of misinformation out there And uh, I always think, like, you should try and learn as much about a person as you can before you judge them. Very well put. But otherwise, I don't really have any thoughts. I recommend the movie. I'd say definitely watch it in the theater, though, if you haven't seen it yet. We just wanted to say thank you so much to Katrina. We really enjoyed talking with you. And thanks for being our guinea pig first guest. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I was really excited about it. And it was better than anything I'd ever dreamed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thank you so back. much yeah. yeah and we are glad that you are now an elvis fan thank you guys so much for listening we had a really great time talking with katrina about elvis 
Make sure to follow them on Instagram at caternip.the.movie. Make sure to follow Louise and I as well. I will link some books and documentaries and other sources to check out if you want to learn more about Elvis. Next week, we'll be talking about his films, his ventures in Hollywood, and all that good stuff. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. I'm sorry I didn't mention a lot of you by name, but we really appreciated you guys sending us some things to answer, and we hope our answers were satisfactory. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) This episode was co-hosted and edited by me, Audrey Cornell, co-hosted by Louise Coleman. The music was written by Nia D'Amelio. Gone But Not Forgotten is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and podcasts, visit thetridentnetwork.com.